What's up, brothers? Welcome back to another episode of Porn of the Gospel. I am glad to be here with you. Can't wait to talk to you today about this subject, and because I think it really is one of the biggest things holding men back from finding freedom. And uh, so it's actually even going to build on what we discussed in the last uh, podcast episode. But before we begin, I do want to remind you, you can visit naturalpornkiller.com for a free uh, course that uh, I created. I think it's six six weeks long, and you can sign up for that. You can go through the course, uh, and it, it should absolutely help you if you are struggling with pornography and you want to approach it in a gospel-centric way, which I encourage you to do, then go and sign up for that. Also, if you are interested in building community with brothers who are also fighting this fight, uh, then I would encourage you to go to themanofvalor.com. And this is it actually is more than uh, we don't just focus on uh, struggle with sexual sin, even though that's that's part of it. Uh, we we absolutely address all domains of life, body, being, which is your spiritual life, balance, which is family, and business. All four of those domains, starting with being your spiritual domain, uh, all four of those domains are shaped, should be shaped by the gospel. So if you want to uh, join join or lock arms with brothers who are fighting the good fight of faith and who are doing this from a gospel-centered way, and listen, nobody in this group is perfect, and uh, especially not me, and nobody has all of their stuff together and uh, you know, it's just a it's just a place where you can come and uh, belong, get encouragement, and then we can fight together. We look at the gospel together, and we watch how the gospel begins to shape and mold our lives. So I'd encourage you to go to themanofvalor.com and check it out. But let's get into this this episode. So I'm in First Peter three in my uh, personal quiet time, and I had some thoughts on the passages that I was reading this morning. I was really reading uh, 13 through uh, 15, and so I'm going to read these real quick here, and then we're going to talk about it. And Peter's addressing the church, and remember, this is a church that uh, that's been struggling with uh, some persecution. They've been struggling with the culture around them. And so Peter begins the letter by reminding them of their identity in Christ because he knows that identity shapes behavior. And so he's talking to them and he's talking to them really about being submissive to authorities and honoring the Lord through that, through obedience. And so he gets here in verse 13, he says, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Now, what is he referring to, zealous for what is good? Well, Peter just explained in previous verses in his letter what the good life looks like. And this is what he says in verse 8, just uh, just preceding these verses. He says, finally, all of you, all of you, church, have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary— Bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And then he quotes uh, Psalm 34. He says, For whoever desires to love life 
and see good days. So Peter's essentially saying, whoever wants to have a good life, this is the good life. And he's talking about this life. He's not pointing to eternal life. He's talking about this life. He says, if you, church, want, if you desire to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So step number one is stop lying. Then he goes on and says, let him turn away from evil and do good. So this is a complete reversal of our conduct, right? He's turning away from evil and seeking and doing good. And then it says, let him seek peace and pursue it. So those are the three things that, that create the good life. It's keeping our tongue from evil and lies, turning from turning from sin and doing good. And then the third thing is seeking peace and pursuing it. So in verse 12, it says, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. And this, that's when he just, that was verse 12. And then it gets into our passage, which is, now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? And so I was just thinking, okay, well, what is the good? Well, the good is the these things that he has just described. Then he goes on and says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, in other words, if for some reason, here you are speaking truth, keeping your tongue from deceit and evil, you are turning from sin and doing good works, and then you're also seeking peace and pursuing it. So even if you're doing all these things, this this is the character of your life, and you should suffer. Somebody should persecute you because of these things, because he says, for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Then he goes on and says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So I want to stop right there. If I'm listening to Peter and he's exhorting me to do these things, to have a good life, and I'm doing these things, and even if I'm doing these things, I feel oppressed and reviled and slandered and persecuted. He says, have no fear. You will be blessed. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So my motivation, my motivation for the good life, as Peter describes it, my motivation for living a life, for not fearing man, my motivation must be rooted in the honor and the glory of God. Then what happens is my reputation is secondary and his reputation is primary. So how do we Honor Christ the Lord as holy is what it says, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. How do we do that? And the answer is by fearing God and nothing else. And, and if we think about it, if we think about it, brothers in Christ who are struggling, when we're struggling with pornography, there's this fear. It works its way into the depths of our heart. And we fear, so what do we fear? We fear being found out. We fear our wives catching us. We fear these things. We fear these things because in our hearts, we're not seeking to honor the Lord primarily. We're seeking to 
save face primarily. Like the most tragic kind of fear in life is the fear of other people, right? So fearing safety when you jump off of a plane to, to go skydiving is understandable. I did this uh, several years ago. I can't remember how long ago, probably 10 or 15 years ago with a group of buddies. And I was laughing with them. So there was seven or eight of us. We're, so we're having to go up in, in different groups up in the plane. They had one plane. There were other people there. So we, I was in the last group. I was like, you guys go ahead. So I'll watch you. I'll film you or whatever. But they also had somebody who was filming us. And I was laughing at these guys, my buddies who were going up. I was cutting, uh, like cutting jokes with them. And uh, I mean, it was so fun. But all of the sudden, it got to my turn. And my demeanor changed. And what's hilarious when looking back on it is, is I have the video. You can see it in the video. So the, the person videoing me as I'm preparing, as I have the jumpsuit on and as they're checking all the harnesses and all that stuff, he's asking me questions. He's trying to cut up and make jokes with me. And I love to do that. Like this is that I love to have fun and kid around and joke around. But let me tell you something. I, I'm already pale. I was super pale. I, I could not laugh. I could not, I could not joke around. I was, I was starting to get very, very nervous. And it was this fear that was creeping in me, fear that was creeping in me. And that type of fear is understandable. Right. I mean, nobody really, I mean, we weren't created to go and jump out of planes. Right. So understandable. However, the fear of other people in the Christian life is not understandable. It's, it's like, why are we fearing other people? And when we start thinking about it, we have to think that the fear of others' opinion is rooted in lack of faith in God, like most of my other sins, like when I'm examining my sins, I find that most of my sin is a result of lack of faith in God's promises. This is what Isaiah says in Isaiah 8, starting in verse 11, he says, for the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand on me and warned me not to walk in the way of this people. Man, that sounds familiar. That sounds familiar. It sounds very familiar to what Peter's saying. Don't walk in the way of the culture. You cannot drift along in the culture and think you're going to live a life that honors the Lord. He goes on and says, verse 12 of Isaiah 8, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. It's very similar to what Peter's saying. Isaiah says, the Lord says to Isaiah, you shall honor as holy. Him you shall honor. The Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. And, it, and Peter says, in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Let him be your fear. Let him be your dread. Jesus said this in John 12, Nevertheless, may even 
Many even of the authorities believed in him, believed in Christ, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So they were fearing other people. So they didn't put their faith fully in Christ. Instead, they loved the glory that came from man. And when we brothers, when we refuse to confess our sin, whatever that sin is, whether it's porn or something else, when we refuse to confess that sin one to another, we are saying, I love the glory from people more than I love the glory from the Lord. It says, for but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So they had believed in Christ, but they refused to confess it because they were scared. We believe in Christ, but we fear confessing our sin because we are scared of other people. Jesus said in Luke 12, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do, but I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Brother, the fear of man can keep you trapped in the snare of the enemy. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about this. There's an episode that I just talked about. You can be saved, but still be a slave. And, and the truth is the correct fear of God, the correct fear of God that seeks to honor him above all things can, can and should overpower our lesser fear of man. It will put the fear of man in its proper place. 1 John 4.18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Like the love of Christ, the love of God. Brother, you are fully accepted in Christ. If you have truly put your faith in him, you are fully accepted in Christ. And therefore, there is nothing to fear. Paul said this in Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And what a father that we are crying to. This is not an earthly father that is determined to fail us. Uh, Alice and I were just talking about our kids the other day. Our son is out at Pine Cove and just, we're just so proud of like how God is working in his life, maturing him. This is the third summer he's been out there and it's just been an incredible maturing process for him. He has struggled with some difficult things, difficult decisions, difficult situations. And he he texted me just yesterday. I was asking him how his week 
was going and he said, you know, it was, it's actually been a pretty challenging week. We've had some discipline issues we've had to take care of. He said, but the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been faithful. And like, I'm a father, like some, I, I'm, I'm, and the whole point why I was telling you this is like the, who my son has become is more a product of God's grace and power in his life and and so much less about me as a father. Like I'm a limited father and I desire the best for my son. God is an infinitely great and infinitely loving and infinitely powerful God and he desires the best for his children. And so we can cry abba father so that we don't fall back into fear. Because we didn't receive the spirit of slavery, but the spirit of adoption lives in us. So how do we live a fearless life that honors and magnifies Christ as Lord? Number one is we recognize that we will face times of uncertainty, of doubt, of fear, and of temptation, okay? This is number one. We must recognize, we must look ahead in our life, look ahead in our life. We're not saying that we don't want to be like what James says, hey, who are you to say, I'm going to go and do this and do that, and you ought to say if it's the Lord's will. I'm not talking about like you 80 years from now. I'm talking about you this coming week. You need to recognize that this coming week, you're going to face times of uncertainty and doubt and fear and temptation. So you know these things are coming. You know these things are coming. So that's number one. Number two is we need to acknowledge that these issues in large part are magnified by our stories and lack of faith in God's promises to keep us and to save us from eternal death. All right. So this is the second part. So First, we recognize that we're going to have these issues. Second, we need to acknowledge that these issues are magnified by our stories. Like I tell myself stories all the time. My my life is run on stories. My life was run on stories. I was just talking to Allison yesterday, and we were talking about this very thing. She was, she and I were talking about the situation, this kind of difficult situation, and we were just kind of working it out over the phone. We weren't in the same place, and so we were just talking. I was, and I just wanted to remind her, and she's great to remind me too. I just wanted to remind her, Allie, a large part of these, like a large part of the the things that we're talking about here, are based on stories that you're believing that we don't even know are true. We don't even know if they're true, and so a lot of times we just need to stop and call a timeout and pull our stories out of our heads, write them down on a piece of paper, this is what I'm believing, and then we need to ask ourselves, is this story true or not? So that's the first part. So our issues are magnified by our stories. And they're magnified because of our lack of faith in God's promises. And most of the time, we lack faith in God's promises because we don't really think about his promises all the time. We don't think about his promises all the time. And so 
I want you to, and so I want to put this for men, for you guys out there. And I know not everybody is into working out or athletics or whatever the case is, but I just want to try to break it down into something that we can understand. And that is if, if I'm looking at a race, I'm looking at a race and this race is a hundred miles long and it's in through the trees and trails and it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. It has thousands of feet of elevation in it. And like, we have to recognize when I'm sitting at the starting line, I'm looking and I'm thinking, oh, I'm recognizing this is going to be tough. This is going to be hard. I'm probably on this journey, on this hundred mile race that I, that I need to finish within, you know, 30 to 40 hours that there's going to be uncertain times. There's going to be doubt. There's going to be fear. I'm going to be tempted to quit. I realize that I'm looking, I'm not, nothing's happening right now, but I'm standing at the starting place. And today, as you listen to that, this is where you are. You need to look ahead and say, wow, this is a long race. This is a journey. This is a long, long race. This life is not meant to be easy for you, and it's not meant to be easy for me. It's meant to conform us into the image of Christ. And so I'm sitting at the starting line. I'm recognizing, wow, this is going to be tough. Oh, and then number two, I need to acknowledge, I need to acknowledge, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to acknowledge, you know what, Spencer, somewhere in this race, probably when it turns dark, right? So these long marathons, these ultra marathons start in the morning and they go throughout the night. And so I'm already thinking, okay, I know this is going to be a long journey, but then secondly, I'm acknowledging that I'm going to try to convince myself at some point down this path to stop and to quit and to give up. I already know that these are stories are going to be ringing in my head and I'm just going to want to stop and be done with it because I don't want to deal with the pain. I don't want to deal with the suffering. I don't want to deal with the uncomfortable feeling of having to go on this journey. And truthfully, that's what a lot of us do. Instead of acknowledging the fact that our problems are rooted in our lack of faith and then doing something about that, instead, we just sedate and tune out. We play video games. We scroll Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And we do anything, we do anything, we do anything, but pick up the word of God and say, I need faith because I know these stories are coming. I know these lies. I'm going to be tempted to believe these lies. We can't do that. And so the third thing that we should do to live a fearless life that honors and magnifies Christ as Lord, the third thing we need to do is we must prepare ourselves for battle. Now, I would never stand at the starting place, the, the starting line of a 100-mile race if I had not prepared. Well, brothers, we're already in it. We're already in it. There is no, you can check out if you want to. You can say, well, I'm, I'm just not going to run the race. And you'll find yourself 100% miserable drifting away. You'll find yourself in pit after pit after pit. You'll find yourself addicted to porn and other sedations, other things that we use to mask our pain and mask the uncomfortable truths of life. Well, you'll find yourself addicted to those things for decades. Or we can make a decision today to say, that's not going to be me. I'm going to prepare for battle. 
And so if I know what to expect, if I'm looking down and I see this is going to be a long race, I'm going to need endurance. If we know what to expect and I've been honest about my failure in the past and my current weak position, if I'm standing there and go, okay, okay, I'm not prepared for this. I know it's a long race. I know the stories I'm going to have. I know I'm going to have fear and doubt and temptation. So what I need to do now is before I start this race, I need to train. I need to train. The remedy, the remedy for, for quitting in the middle of a race is training. And the remedy for quitting the Christian life that you've been called to, brother, and the remedy for fearing man above God is training in righteousness by the grace of God. We know this passage, 1 Timothy 4, if you put these things, this is Paul to Timothy, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, meaning his teachings, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So Paul's pointing out, Timothy, brother, you've been trained in the words of faith. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of, every, is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. I love bodily training. I think it's good. I think it's a beautiful picture of spiritual training because it's not always easy. It's not always pleasant. But the more you do it, the more you love it. The more you do it, the more it benefits your life. Guess what? Your body changes. Well, guess what? Your spiritual life changes if we would just give ourselves to training for godliness, which is exactly what Paul's telling Timothy. He's saying, don't quit, brother. Don't quit. Don't give up. I I fought the good fight. Later in, in 2 Timothy, I fought the good fight. I've run the race. This is like my time of departure is here. I've endured years of suffering, years of this. And brother, you and I aren't going to face what anything what Paul faced, anything what Timothy faced. And we have, we have the inspired word. We have his letters. We have God's letters to us. We have the gospel. We have beautiful picture of Christ in the Old Testament. We have all of these pictures, these men and women of faith who have gone before us, how are you using that to prepare for battle? I believe this is the only way that we're going to live a life, a fearless life that honors and magnifies Christ as Lord. And so in closing, what I want to do is I just want to encourage you, brother, think about your fear. Think about what you fear the most when it comes to your struggle with sin. What do you fear the most? If it's fear of man, I want you to pray and I want you to think and I want you to open your Bible and start reading the promises of God. Read all the times that he says, do not fear. I could have listed a hundred more passages which says, do not fear. God knows, like Christ knows that we fear. He knows we fear. Why did Peter deny Christ? Why did Peter deny Christ right there? 
just after he had said, I'll die for you. He did it. He did it because he was fearful of man. But Peter changed when the spirit filled him, didn't it? I mean, here, here, we, here we are, we're reading his letter and we praise God for it. So brother, I want to encourage you, think about your fear Think of, and, and then find other brothers, find other brothers who will point you to Christ, point you to faith, who and who will demonstrate what this looks like, who demonstrate what it looks like to confess sin and to say, you know what, I don't have my life together all the time. Things are messy. Don't get caught in the trap of coming to church and living a fantasy life where everything is okay, everything is good, every, you shake everybody's hand and everybody seems like they have everything together and nobody's confessing sin. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. And if all you do is go into church in the big auditorium, if you're in a big church, and it's easy to it's easy for it to become a spectator sport. It's easy to consume, consume, consume. We learn and learn and learn and learn. I mean, I know I know plenty of men who are stuck learning. They're stuck learning. They think that if I just learn a little bit more, then, man, then I'll have the secret to whatever my problems are, and it's just not the case. You have to learn, and then you have to live it. You have to apply it to your life. And in living it, guess what? You're not going to get it right all the time. You're going to screw up, and that's okay. This is not about perfection. It's about progress. Progress. I just had a brother who who confessed to in our group who reached out. We have this app that we use that we use as a walkie-talkie so we can hear each other's voice, and we're just all in this group talking. And um, one of the brothers just confessed. He said, hey, I just want to let you know that I came home today and you know, super stressed about this and I've got this issue, and man, I I turned to porn for my comfort, and I want to confess that right now and ask for like you guys to pray for me. That's what life is about, and if we're honest with each other, and if we confess our sins one to another, and if we live and walk in the light, not in the darkness, and say we walk in light, like. John talks about that in 1 John 1, 5 through 10. He's like, don't, don't say you're walking in the light, but yet you're still hiding in the darkness. You're, you're a liar if you do that. Brother, we want to be children of the light. So I want to encourage you, find a band of brothers that you can connect with and that you can learn and see what it looks like to not fear man, but fear God above all else. All right, brothers, I hope you all have a fantastic week, and I'll be back with another episode of Porn of the Gospel.